1: need to know what's happening. It's it's, it's it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaConfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man Jason LaConfora. Guys, of course, Brian Baldinger on this podcast as well. The season is over. We're talking about week 18 in the National Football League. But before we get to all the stuff that happened, including firing of coaches, the playoffs and what it might look like and and what we think. Congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. I got to put that out there. I am in the ATL, and guys, uh, they are kings of college football. We're excited. There'll be another parade in Athens and all of that stuff. But, uh, Jason, an incredible performance last night, man, as we tape this podcast on (coughs) Tuesdays. Last (coughs) night was the national championship game. TCE was just overmatched. And got to give some love to Kirby and company. All those guys, Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator, yes. Stetson Bennett, everybody, man. It's been it's been a fun ride for us who cover this team and watch the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I told my daughter last night, just real quick, before we get to some NFL stuff, and if you guys are college football fans, you guys understand this. There are ebbs and flows, right? Teams are good at times, and it might be bad for a decade. <clears throat> and I was telling her for a long time, the narrative was that Georgia just couldn't get over the hump. They weren't, yep. weren't able to win the big game. And it's just completely changed now and and everybody thinks that this is start the start of potential dynasty guys they're already favored to win it next year and you know they put 15 guys in the nfl last year jason so i just want to give a big shout out to the dogs man and congratulations it was a great college football season but incredible performance last night
2: yeah i mean that you don't see 60 burgers in national title games and i mean they tc you got the early seven and you're thinking well maybe they can at least keep the pace a little bit and no, boy, that tight end man, oh man, Brock is
1: gonna make a lot of money. He's Ooh, make a lot of money. Uh,
2: he could have I mean, where the quarterback goes. You know, like he has his limitations, but you're right. He like could he have a Chase Daniel like career with maybe a few higher highs? Like you can make a lot of money, win a lot of games, have a lot of fun, um, have yourself a hell of a career, and maybe that's way too low of a comp for him. I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to sell the young man short before he's had a chance to do it. But he certainly proved a lot of people wrong. And, uh, yeah, Kirby's building a monster there. I've got family in Athens. In fact, my brother-in-law, Tim, uh, the travel baseball team that he coaches Kirby's sons on. So he, oh, wow. he knows that family pretty well. Uh, yeah. You know, on weekends, traveling all over Georgia, playing at tournaments and all that stuff. So, yeah, we've got a lot of affinity for them. We're, we're dogs fans up here because, again, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law uh, – both went to Georgia and then post grad Georgia. My brother Tim was actually a lawyer for the school for a while, and they own a restaurant um, right, right, sort of on campus there. So we love visiting. My my wife and kids were just down there um, right after Christmas. So go dogs, go dogs. All right, guys, let's talk some football. We're talking
1: NFL football. I got to give some credit. And I do this a lot with Jason because Jason's right a lot. And I want to start with the shocking development. It really wasn't. We we both said Cliff Kingsbury was on the hot seat. But the part about Steve Kime stepping away when you said, listen, if they really want to make change and they to really want to move forward, they got to cut the cord. Yeah. And for weeks on this, this podcast, you said, I don't think they're going to do it. What made him step away? What do you think this was? Because I I expect him to be fired, but I don't expect Steve time to step away.
2: I wasn't sure Bidwell would fire his boy because that had become more than just a typical owner-GM relationship. But when he he stepped away from the team and said he was on a medical leave, that was the end. I mean, I I was writing about it then, talking about it then. Like, he wasn't. There was no way he was coming back. There was no way he's going to eventually come out of treatment or whatever and and hire a head coach no that was going to be a settlement that was going to go straight to the lawyers and they got that done and i don't think you'll see steve kind um certainly never i don't think him as a gm again you know he's got some boys in the league jason light somebody like that could he, could he turn up somewhere in a lesser role i guess it's possible but i don't think anything is like that imminent um and he's got uh some things to tend to Uh, away from football Um, and there's obviously an interesting lawsuit out there um, by one of the uh, Cardinals former coaches as well and we'll see we'll see where that goes so yeah ask them to sort of rank these jobs and there wasn't uniformity um, among everybody's answers but they all agreed that Arizona was the worst job even worse than than the Colts job which is a close second because of this Kyler Murray situation and the injury and you putting in a new system and you having to kowtow to him to a certain degree and the owner misguidedly and this all goes on the owners I mean these owners are the problem in these in these franchises that continue to not be able to get out of their own way when you come out and the first thing you signal is that Kyler Murray is going to have some say in this that's ridiculous Kyler Murray's done nothing to prove he's even A bona fide NFL starting quarterback, let alone someone who should be influencing coaching decisions. So you're walking into a hornet's nest where it's clear the owner's not getting rid of the quarterback because he just paid him and he couldn't trade him for anything if he wanted to. So you got to go there with a bad roster, not a great cap situation. You don't have any cachet of draft picks like a lot of these other jobs come with. Um, You got bad ownership. Uh, I mean, you've got no culture of winning there. The Bidwells have never been associated with winning. Um, you know they've been associated with keeping, you know, holding fan bases hostage and moving franchises around, and and being super cheap. They don't have any reputation for winning. That's a tough gig. I, I, I mean, someone will take it. Um, you know, I half jokingly wrote, "Why don't they go get Lincoln Riley?" <laughs> I was three quarters joking, but not all the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know, Carl. That's a that is an ugly situation. You don't have players. You don't have picks. Quarterback is overpaid and over sort of um, entitled by ownership in terms of um his, of his standing and and what it should be versus what it is. They're not winning anytime soon. There's no quick turnaround there. Um, that's a bad that's a bad scene.
1: There are five jobs as we speak available. That is one of them, and Jason says it's the worst one, and I have to agree. I was debating this yesterday when you know guys were getting let go, and I'm going, all right, where is the Colts job? And you're right just because of what Ursae has done, you know, but th- the problem with the Cardinals, as you mentioned, is you've got to get the coach who's going to be willing to work with Kyler Murray in a way that they connect. And I don't know if that's possible. And I'm just going to yeah. say this, and, and we'll see where this goes. Murray, from the folks that I've talked to around the Cardinals organization, and I've known Cliff Kingsbury. I told this story on this podcast. I saw Cliff Kingsbury in high school. Okay, His dad was his high school coach, New Braunfels, Texas, uh I was a young guy just starting the business I went to see him play he goes to Texas Tech I follow his career we've been in contact over the years as, as his career has grown I didn't think Cliff deserved this opportunity to begin with I didn't yeah. think he deserved to be an NFL head coach having never won anything at Texas Tech yeah. with that said he gets the offer he takes it he'd be an idiot not to sure but who in their right mind is going to come in and say, Kyler, this is your system. This is what you want to do. This is what that is not how you win in the NFL. And I, I just believe whoever this is going to be is going to run into another problem because Kyler Murray, and this is what I was going to say, is not a great communicator. He's just not guys. This is part of the issue of what's been going on in, 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 in uh, Arizona. He's not one of these guys. He's cool, but he's reserved and he's to himself. And Mm -hmm. as a quarterback in the NFL, you can't be that. You have to be, at times, a great communicator, especially in those moments where your team needs you. And you got to be able to to work with people. And Kyler, is he's not that guy. And it's not that makes him a bad guy. It just makes it more difficult for him to have these relationships, Jason, with the people that are going to help make him successful. That is my debate about Kyler Murray, and that's why I wouldn't have paid him. That has nothing to do with anything else about the contract it's more about show me more about the things we're concerned about either way i agree and they are in a a, a heap of mess right now when we talk about arizona i want to talk about the texans it's carl dukes it's jason lock on four it's in the huddle guys tuesday thursday we put out new episodes we're in the playoffs guys this is all about now moving forward but we're talking about what transpired week 18 and what happened over the last couple of days with coaches being fired it's despicable what the texans are doing yep david cully was a sham hire and it was completely awful and and for those who don't know david cully was in the league 27 years before he got this offer 27 there was no way the texans had any intentions of keeping him we're going back two seasons ago guys lovey smith is on the staff lovey then gets the job this last off season both were only given a year both were fired both were african-american coaches And this to me, Jason, and I don't know where you are at on this because I could I could go in on this on so many ways. Oh, yeah. But Nick Casario, who's the general manager there, is crap. Yeah. And the way he's handled these situations, what he's done, the culture that he's built, which is, yes, we're encouraging African-American coaches to apply and we want to have one. and And then you do what you're doing is just despicable. And it's disgusting to me that the league is sitting back and not saying anything yeah. because the league is all about diversity and we want to give these mm. guys opportunities. And la, right. la, la. So I saw the Texans that came down yesterday firing of Lovey Smith. And I just kind of shook my head. Now, that, that organization has been a mess, but where are you at on this with Lovey Smith? I don't think he was the long-term answer, but a year, one season, this is bullshit
0: Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: It is, um, and look, Nick Casario should have been fired because owners don't fire themselves, you know. And Cal McNair, who's a who's proven to be a feckless leader, who's proven to be inept, who's proven to that that he can't do anything to distinguish himself, but does much to um, make that franchise look like the scourge that it is. He won't fire himself. He should have fired Casario along with this. Um, now you're going to let Nick Casario be a part of a third hire after treating two well-respected African-American coaches as if they were just completely um, disposable one-year placeholders. Uh, it's shameful. It's shameless. Uh, Cal McNair, for me, and I wrote this in the Washington Post, is the face, the human embodiment of the league's uh crisis in terms of diversity and inclusion. His daddy was caught saying uh, racist stuff on tape, and he has doubled down on that with how he's handled these last two coaching hires. It falls on Casario, sure, but it falls mostly um, on the owner. Nick Casario is not sitting in those ownership meetings where it's only one person, one representative per team. And the league is betting, you know, begging and pleading for these guys. Um, to to be more forthright and be more um, equitable in how they handle these situations. And they wanted Josh McCowan for two years. Mm. They have, they couldn't bring themselves to do it. So when they got into situations where they couldn't quite make that happen, they they have again gone, got these coaches knowing we're not going to give them any players. We don't want to win. everybody in the league knew that Lovey by the middle of the season was going to be fired. And Lovey knew as well, and Lovey gave them the ultimate middle finger mic drop on the way out (laughs) by playing that game to the hilt, messing up their plan, and finding a way to beat the hapless, feckless Colts to ensure the Texans won't get the first overall pick. Um, That's the state of affairs in the NFL. They can have all their meetings. They can have all their summits. They can have all their diversity conferences. They can't make billionaires do what they don't want to do. And a lot of these billionaires are not inclined to hire people who don't look like them. And until we get more diversity at the top in terms of who owns these teams, nothing's going to change. I am completely convinced of it. The bottom-up stuff won't work. These people won't hire anybody they don't want to hire for whatever reason. And clearly, there are major biases going on. Just look at the hiring records. Nothing will change until more people with different backgrounds, different experiences, and different shades of their skin begin to be put in true power positions in the NFL. That is team presidents, and that is owners.
1: As far as the first overall pick... The Texans haven't done crap with the picks they've had anyway. It doesn't matter whether or not they're getting the first or the second pick. They've been inept when it comes to picking the right players to begin with. And we need to say this. The Deshaun Watson situation and this are separate. This has nothing to do with Deshaun Watson and his screw-ups and what happened. This is about the organization, how it's run, the front office, the executives, the approach. What they do on a day-to-day basis and how they treat people, Deshaun Watson screwed up and he's paid the price for it. That has nothing to do with this. You can't lump those in and say, oh, Deshaun, has nothing to do with it. This is all about what Jason just laid out. We'll see what happens with the Texans, where they go, and what ultimately happens. But to your point, they right now, because of that win, have the second pick. The Bears get the first pick. It's in the huddle. All right, uh, Broncos, Colts, Panthers. Those are the other jobs available. I think the big question is where's Sean Payton go, right? Does He he gets to pick his job. Everybody's linking him to the Broncos because they got permission and there's compensation apparently already worked out. If I'm Sean Payton, I want to go somewhere, Jason, where I have an established quarterback. I don't want to go somewhere where I'm drafting a quarterback and then have to go through those rookie woes yeah. of maybe the first couple of seasons. But then you look at a guy like uh, Trevor Lawrence, right? Two seasons in now, he's in the playoffs. I don't know if that's a deciding factor, but two things. Where does Sean Payton end up? And then those jobs, Broncos, Colts, Panthers. Is there best to worst, worst to first? What, where, where are you at?
2: Well, look, I don't know that Andy's a perfect fit. Um, people close to Sean, who I've known a long time, and I've known Sean a long time, I think I've got a pretty decent portal into what makes him tick and what he, how he assesses things. None of these will check every box. And there is the possibility that, He stays in broadcasting for another year. Um, I'll say this. There will be other shoes that drop. I I continue to hear a lot of chatter amongst executives and agents. If the Cowboys, Chargers, Dolphins don't show a little something this weekend, um, at least one of them I I fully believe will make a change, and it very well could be more than one.
1: Let me ask you something real quick while you brought up the Dolphins, because I know these rumors are out there. Um, Let me understand this. Mike McDaniel gets the job. He's one year in. His quarterback has been injured. They Mm -hmm. make the playoffs. Why are you willing to make a change with Mike McDaniel? Is it just, what's the reasoning behind that? Because I've heard that rumor and I'm like, whoa.
2: The reasoning behind it is you get Tom Brady and you get Sean Payton. As a package deal. They have the same agent. Look, they've already lost the first round pick. By tampering, trying to get these guys. So if you're Steve and you're 85 years old, and now the roster looks really good, right? And Tua's in a very um, unfortunate situation where no matter what, it's a murky offseason. You, you you have to weigh, and he has to weigh, as we've talked about at length on this podcast, the pros and cons about moving forward with him as a starting NFL quarterback. So if you're able now to go and get those two and they're both free agents and yeah, you'll have to make a trade for Sean. um, But Mickey Loomis, you know, the, the president of the saints, he's more inclined to trade him to the AFC than the NFC anyway. True. So, you know, and, and you're trading future picks, but you, you know, you're already all in with these two wide receivers and, you know, everything that's been put in place. You know, you go out there, you spend money to keep beefing up the defense. And, I mean, Tom Brady with those weapons around him, I mean, it worked immediately in Tampa Bay. So I think Stephen Ross is looking there saying, you know, I rebuilt this stadium so that we could host Super Bowls. Everything I've tried hasn't worked. You know, he he he's had his shame, share fair of shameful interaction. you got the Brian Flores uh, lawsuit, right? You've got some of the Flores allegations about he paid me to lose games. You've got... The league investigation stripping you of a first-round pick because you did tamper with a coach and a GM. And now the bottom falls out in the second half. Is it all Mike McDaniel's fault? Absolutely not. But, like, you know, the offense fell apart. They've had bad luck. There was an opening to win that division. They barely got in the playoffs. Skyler Thompson, I don't think they have much of a chance against Buffalo. Like, if they get completely embarrassed – And you have a chance to try to win for a year or two with Tom Brady and let Sean Payton start developing the next guy on the fly. You got to do it. Yeah. And listen, I I, I get that. And I understand why Stephen Ross would
1: do it. Uh, But that is one of those that people go, wait a minute, McDaniel, he's not done a terrible job. But the circumstances of getting that package deal is very attractive uh to, to the Dolphins Broncos Colts Panthers guys we'll see where that goes Mike Tomlin got to mention it 16 Stallion. years stud he hasn't had a losing season and they win the last week of the season now they don't go to the playoffs but it's just remarkable and you say okay fine but at the end of the day we talked about it uh just incredible man absolutely yeah. incredible
2: he he is an absolute um he's an iconic coach in the history of this league he just is uh, and, and look, you look at the AFC since he's been in it. I mean, you had Peyton Manning, right? You had Tom Brady, which became, but we'll never see anything like that in the salary cap era ever again, right? He's up against that. Then he's up against Peyton Manning 2.0 with Denver and Von Miller right now. They're, he's along for the ride, but my God, look at that defense. Like you, you, and then you look now at what Mahomes looks like he's going to be, you know what I mean? And what Josh Allen, Allen is, yeah. these kids are 25, 26. Burrow. And you know, and Tomlin's had his share of bad injury luck. And let's face it, if they didn't do that last contract extension with Big Ben, they'd have moved off of him a couple, like he was dragging them down the last two years. And you still find a way to do, you still find a way to be playing games at the end of the year every season that matter. And more often than not in the playoffs. It's it's pretty amazing, man. It's pretty amazing. And at two and six, there were a lot of people throwing dirt on a lot of people in Pittsburgh. And again, we said it before. I hope you got your kidney shots and body blows in on the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> and Mike Tomlin by around the middle of November, because that, that was your window. Your window was training camp till November. Um they're not down any longer.